126 of In The Move Podcast. I'm Peter Shepherd. I'm here alongside... Callum Reid. And um, what's our B count? We've just done our B count. I'm at one, going on three. Uh, five. <laughs> is that before now, or is that to come? Hmm? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay. Um... Alright, has anything happened this week? Have you got any stories from the Royal to regale us with? No, I, I went up town for um, uh, my brother and uh, a friend's but joint birthday. And uh, it was just more a case of uh, f- finding out how we all got home. Which I only just found out the final finality of about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> were there any halloumi incidents this time? There were no halloumi incidents, but um, there was an incident where I was I was banned from going to the toilet in the bar that I was in. I, like, I said, where's the loo? They said, it's upstairs. I went up to the top of the stairs, and uh, you got, like, booth, 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 and there's a bar area in the back. And uh, in front of the bar area was, like, a bloke with a rope. Um, and, by that, I don't, I, I, and by that, I mean in the least, in the most museum hours and the least Harry Houdini of ways. <laughs> and he literally put his hand in my chest and said, no. <laughs> I'm like, what? And so I ended up... Um, Storming out of the place, going to the, the Cineworld Cinema on Broad Street next door. This was probably only about 11 o'clock-ish. T- getting my Cineworld Unlimited card out and saying, look, do I have to buy a ticket? Or I'm only going to go to the toilet. Do I have to buy a ticket or do, can I just flash this? And by this, I mean the card and not anything else. <laughs> and so I, wa- I went back in and to the bar and the bloke, the bouncer, like went to like stop me from going in. I was like, I just came out of it, mate. I was actually really aggressive with it and I'm surprised he actually just backed off and let me in. But apparently then I was in a mood for about half an hour afterwards. But I was So you couldn't get in the VIP bit of the bar. Well, apparently, so you used your VIP ness. Well, no, this the thing I think in retrospect I was trying to gate crash the uh, VIP, but there was nobody in that bar upstairs, and uh, I've been told that was where the toilets were. But apparently then they they can't have been. <laughs> frankly. Oh God! Just another week. Mm. Okay. Uh, sporting news. Do you want to? No. Dwell on. No. <laughs> It's it's over. <laughs> it's it was grim. We get it. Move on. <laughs> Any non-football news? Um. Well, Phil Hughes, obviously. Oh God, yeah. Was mm. that in the last week? I think so. Was it, well, the funeral's been this week, hasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Oh, very sad. Mm. Okay. Um. All right. So let's move on. This week's news. We're going to start let's with more. More critics awards to delight you with this week. Let's just be brief. <laughs> um, lost. Have you heard any of these? I think I saw. I, uh, well, maybe whatever. Just hit me with it. All right. Los Angeles Film Critics Awards um, went to Boyhood. What a shock! Richard Linklater. What a shock! Did someone foreign win Best Actress? No. They went with, shockingly, Patricia Arquette in Boyhood. For actress? Yeah. That's ridiculous. What a waste of a... What a waste. Yeah. But I, I don't... As well, even if you like her, 
lover in Boyhood, she doesn't need that win. No. A and B, she's muddy in the waters. And it's the wrong category. Yeah, but even if yeah, I don't know. It ju- it just confuses things, and yeah, it's a waste of a pick. Yeah, because Julianne Moore was the runner up. Right. Best actor went to Tom Hardy in Lock. Which I, I, I've proven today on uh, <laughs> on my Facebook page that I can photograph Birmingham better than um, Stephen Knight. <laughs> That's true. That was a lovely photo on your Facebook page this morning. I might be adding some more to Instagram later. It was really gorgeous this morning. I took like six photos. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Tom Hardy, that is a real shock for me. Um, it's, because it's, that's again, not a huge a, film. Again, a, a, well, you, it depends on what how you view these critics' awards. If, if, There's 48 people well, in the well, Well, yeah, I mean, it depends how you view them. What are they trying to do? Are, they try, are, are you just getting 48 people in a room and they're saying, this is what we think is the best of the year? Which you would really hope is the situation. Or are, yeah. they, or are they thinking, well, we have some modicum of influence, no matter how small it may be. Because at the end of the day, if, the, if they pick something random enough, it, it like, like um, Seraphine, for example, yes. it yeah. doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. So um, so are they... Uh, I'm sure, the thing is, Tom Hardy is the sort of actor who does have a lot of fans, uh, and a lot of people respond to his style of acting. So I can I can see a situation where they just, you know what I thought, you know, where you get, say you get 20 people in the, 15 people in the room who think that he's absolutely brilliant and then you get another 10 people who, who don't want the other person to win fine I can see I can see that happening yeah well but, what happened was basically what they do is they have a round of voting the top two goes into the final mm. and then everybody votes between the top two mm. so if everything's fragmented in the first round yeah. Michael Keaton was runner up right so say Michael Keaton gets I don't know 20 out of the 48 Tom Hardy gets like 9 yeah. or 8 or something but, and then the rest to get 7, 6, 5 but 20 people really hate Michael Keaton <laughs> yeah, or or suddenly think, oh, I didn't think Tom Hardy had a chance, and now yeah. he does, so mm. I'll vote for him. Mm. So yeah, it is it is very whatever happens on the day, but it's it's an interesting pick anyway. I think it's good that they pick something out of the ordinary. Mm. Uh, supporting actress, similarly, Agatha Kalesha in Ida. Right. So you must be Who, pleased about this. Well, yeah, she was in my lineup last year. Mm. Um. <laughs> oh, she's so last year. Which, yeah, honestly, yeah, I was, yeah whatever. <laughs> well done, boys. A year too late. Um, and Renee Russo was runner-up for that. For so Nightcrawler. It would have been. It would have been nice for to see her win. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And supporting actor J.K. Simmons in Whiplash. Ooh, another one. Is is he is he um, happening? It looks like he is the front runner at the moment, yeah, to win. Oh wow! So, I really like him as an actor. So, well, he's got that whole role, that protege, um, karate kid, Good Will role. Hunting, yeah, yeah, that's popular in that category. Mm. Uh, Boston, uh, quite less um, idiosyncratic, hmm. went for Boyhood. Right. Richard Linklater. It's, it's sweeping, isn't it? <laughs> Looks like it. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it, it could be a social network situation. Does, doesn't it still have, oh, I don't think it's going to win the Oscar, but do, doesn't it still have like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes or is somebody dared to give it a bad review? It might be 99, I don't know. Because there was a point where it was 100%, I mean, even yeah. like after like 100 reviews or something. It's, I think it's over 90 on Metacritic. Mm. Um, 
yeah, it's just unanimous favourite at this point, um, with the critics at least. Yeah, sideways situation. Yes, yeah. Well, it's, Social Network is the most unprecedented one not to win the Oscar, right? Well, because it's well, broke I, back. I, I, I don't well. think it, I don't think it was. I, I, I think the second that the, that the King's Speech won the Producers Guild, you suddenly yeah. you suddenly I actually wrote a big a lot of big a big post about this, um, uh, and I was detailing. This is how geeky I used to be. I was de- <laughs> I was detailing the examples of when there was a PGA and a Directors Guild split, and like like it was something like. 90, so like five, uh, only five times, or something like that. I don't remember the exact number. A very small amount of times had, had it not been what uh, they, they were both the same. And when there yeah. was a split, it was usually uh, the uh, director, I want to say it was usually the director's guild one that uh, won, that didn't win the directors. It won picture and not director, I think. I'm right to say. So the idea was that if if um, you're predicting a split, then um, you, you you better then you 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 were actually more likely in saying that the Social Network was going to win Best Picture and Tom Hooper was going to win Best Director. But that would have been insane. Exactly. That wouldn't have happened. Exactly. I think the um uh the the one that I thought was a, a relevant or the, or the uh, uh the most interesting comparison, I think it was Cabaret and Godfather. I think that's the, that, that that's what I came up with. I think the Cabaret Godfather is an example where they're very close. Um, the best picture is very close, mm. so it could either could have gone either way in picture and director. Mm. So it seemed anyway. Mm. Uh, anyway, so yes, um, best. Where, where did we get onto that? We've done the acting that... and director. Actor Michael Keaton Birdman, actress Marion Cotillard again. Who's this? Sorry, this is Boston. Boston, yes, yes, yes. Marion Cotillard for two days, one night, and The Immigrant. So she's won Boston and New York. But I don't like this and stuff. When it comes yeah, to but you can only vote for one performance, I think. Yeah, I the, think the, the and Oscar. is after the fact. Really? Yeah. So they're clubbing it. This is where critics awards have different rules to the Oscars. To the Oscars, you have to vote for that one performance. Whereas at the Critics Awards, I think they just say if you vote for that, they just plump all to get all the votes for a person together. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is what did for um, Scarlett Johansson back in two thousand three. Infamously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that was she was handled all wrong. There's yeah. no way Marion Cotillard's going to get nominated or if that many votes for the immigrant, it'll be. Two days, one night. Yeah, but well, this is why the whole Scarlett Johansson thing was ridiculous. Because I mean, good though she, great though she was in Girl with Pearl Earring, she was never getting nominated for that. If she was getting nominated for anything, it was going to be Lost in Translation. So why on earth she um, got campaigns supporting in Lost in Translation to block? Because oh no, maybe all the votes for Girl with the Pearl Earring are going to stop her. Even if even I, who preferred her in Girl with the Pearl Earring, if I wanted Scarlett Johansson to get nominated that year, I would vote for her in Lost in Translation. Yeah, it's just you've got to know how the game works. Yeah, and she wasn't famous enough at that point to mm. get two nominations. So why, no. you know? Anyway, yeah. Supporting actor J.K. Simmons in Whiplash. Mm. Uh, supporting actress Emma Stone in Birdman. Interesting. Quickly, British Independent Film Award winners. Nobody cares. <laughs> Best film. 
Pride. Yay. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Best actor, Brendan Gleeson in Calvary. Mm. Best director, Jan de Monge for 71. Okay. Best actress, Gugu Mbatha-Raw for Belle. Right. We might get onto that later. Mm. Best supporting actor, Andrew Scott in Pride. He's fine. Mm. Best supporting actress, Imelda Staunton in Pride. And best documentary, Next Goal Wins. Awesome. Yeah. Which, is, which is online, people, by the way. It is. It's on my list. <laughs> we'll get around to it. I've actually been recommending it to quite a few people recently in the run up to Christmas. <laughs> Stocking filler. Mm, mm. Cracking. I mean, the thing is, how many people are football fans? And that is the ultimate um, David versus, well, not even Goliath, just David versus the world story. I might get my uh, dad and brother that, actually. No, seriously, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's to- total crowd pleaser and it's got so much, um, so many interesting facets to it. It's a brilliant film. Okay. All right, so let's move on to the red light district because I've got quite a few. Um... <laughs> Mine are such joke ones. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really, I, I could not pick two more. Just It's running... not going to be like Bill and Ted. No, it's, it's not that bad, but they're just like rom-coms. Um... The, okay. All right, I'll start because I've got more. Yeah. Okay, late marriage. Right. I've been waiting bloody weeks for this. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Late Marriage, which is the Israeli film mm. um, that was shockingly snubbed. Yeah. I can't believe it. No. Actually, really. I'm this sure is, would... This is the one with the woman from the band's visit and uh, the guy from the Israeli in treatment, which I'm sure is not going to make give you any help whatsoever. Ronit Elkabetz and what's the guy's name? Lior Ashkenaki? Yes, and he's great. He, he's very, he played the Alex role in the original in treatment. He played the pilot in the original. Oh, okay. I he, can yeah, I can see that because he's a he's a suave guy. Yeah, and he's got he, he's got the bravado and also the uh, but also he does the um, vulnerability really well when you get to the inner workings of that role. Yeah, I just did a little sort of like waggling of the fingers like I was casting a spell towards the microphone as I was saying that, but I realised no one can see me. We might also get into casting spells later. Um, yeah, but Late Marriage, it starts with all very kind of causally and um, kind of domestic life. And then there's this long sex scene, yeah, which I thought was really out of place at the time. But looking back on it, I think it's one of the most important sex scenes I've ever seen. Mm. Because without that, I don't think you would get such a hard hitting uh, effect in the last, you know, 20 minutes or so. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. I think um, what was the uh, Israeli one from Venice a couple of years ago that only came out last year? It took me ages to see. Um, fill the void. Fill, fill the void. Fill the void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think I preferred that. Just, uh, but I think um, in general, uh, late marriage is better acted. Certainly. Yes. Okay. What's your first one? Do I have to? Go for it. Okay. God, I'm just wondering how much myself to reveal is <laughs> Oh god. Is was, it that good? Okay, no 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 no. But uh okay. I was watching a film with somebody and they refused to watch a film that I'd seen before and I took a, a lot of, a, a fair I took a handful of random, extraordinarily good films. Not necessarily um Ponzi. Not necessarily um, film geeky films like Ratatouille 
Nick and yeah. Nor- Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, Robot and Frank. That sort of, that was the sort of film I was taking around. But no, I had to watch, <laughs> I had to watch something that I hadn't seen before, and the options were. <laughs> What was number two? Due date was one of the ones I had. Oh my god! Um, uh, what's the Kevin Costner Jennifer Aniston one? Um, oh, rumor has <laughs> it. Rumor has it. I quite like that. I, I, I was willing to watch that one. We plumbed for Just Married with Ashton oh, Kutcher and Brittany Murphy. Okay, I've not seen that. You know what? It is actually quite amusing. But yeah. <laughs> Is that as far as you're going? <laughs> no, it was it was quite fun for for that sort of film. Because so for me, when, with rom coms, I'm I'm sort of a definitely maybe kind of guy. Uh, obviously, Nick and Norris. That's that's my um, sort of something a bit different yeah. about it. Yeah, something a bit um, a bit quirky um, and more in terms of dialogue based um, comedy. Whereas Just Married is very very much slapstick. Uh, but it's but it's still still amusing. It, it, it is amusing. There's no getting around it for for me at, at any rate. Have uh, you seen what happens in Vegas? No. See, I thought that was really amusing and kind of like a bit of a screwball throwback. Mm. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can see these these random rom coms and they can be, I don't know, they can surprise you. Yeah, but I think it, the the main thing is just uh, Brittany Murphy. We are missing. I think. She, yes. Uh, yeah. I think she was good at drama. I think she's very good at comedy, um, yeah. and it's just a very, very big shame. And Kutcher was okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, my second one is the small back room. I don't know that one. Which is Paul and Pressburger, forty nine. Ooh. After the uh, red shoes. Yes, just after the red shoes. It's a lot smaller than that. Mm. Um. It's just this really compact story about a kind of a bomb disposal um, set, obviously, in the Second World War. Does this star Jeremy Renner? <laughs> because if so, I'm going to think it sucks. It was a pre. It was obviously a prelude to Jeremy Renner, as everything is. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like the Dardens casting Jeremy Renier, and then the guy just like thought, oh yeah, he's pe- casting people in America. Thought, oh, I've heard of him. He, he worked with the Dardens. Let's cast him. Oh no, wait, it's someone completely different. Wait, you don't even have a French accent. Well, neither is the guy. He's Belgian. <laughs> so, sorry. The lead is David Farrar. Oh, um, oh, yes, he was the guy in Black Narcissus. Yeah. So this is. It's also called Hour of Glory, apparently. Mm. Um, but anyway, it's about the, yeah this bomb disposal expert who is an alcoholic and his relationship with his girlfriend, who's Kathleen Byron. Ooh. Yes, and it's really good. This is why you wanted to watch it. This is why you wanted to watch it. The the cast, I'm sure. Well, Powell and Pressburg, I'll watch anything they do. Mm. And um, Kathleen Byron, amazing in Black Narcissus. In the conversation for the best supporting actress performance I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it might not be, but I mean, it's in the conversation. (laughs) Shall we have that conversation really quickly for a minute? You've got 60 seconds. (laughs) Um, well, you've thrown me a bit with that one. Gladys George, the Roaring Twenties. She's awesome. Yeah, you have mentioned that before. Absolutely yeah. awesome. Um, supporting actress, one thing. Think, man. Good. 40 seconds. 40 seconds? Yeah, come on. Got a minute. Um, oh, Vanessa Redgrave and Julia. Very good shout, very good shout. 
uh, Amy and Juneberg. That's my favourite of the last 15 years, probably. Um, yeah. uh, Solveig Domartan in Wings of Desire. She's awesome. It's a beautiful presence. Um, 60s sporting, 50s sporting. Something Judith sh- Anderson? Yeah, there we go. Rebecca, you got 13 seconds. <laughs> Name something else. I'm trying to think. Um, oh, the, to be some... the girls in um, uh, the Cirque uh, Invitation of Life. Awesome. Yes. D- and, we're, and we're done. There's the minute. Okay. <laughs> we should time and... these digressions. It's good. <laughs> it's an overwhelmingly positive start to the podcast. <laughs> it's because I've only had. I'm only down my fourth beer. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward twenty minutes. It's going to get grim. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, no, I've, well, I've... I thought we were reading the penguins at the end. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. It's actually gonna get grim now because my next one's Monty Python: The Meaning of Life, no, not, which I'm I not, liked. I'm not a fan of Monty Python, so no. Well, I, th- I definitely think they're still hit and miss, but this one was just so, um, so eighties, hmm. British eighties, yeah, um, and very creative though, very creative with humour, um. It, it was just absolutely creased at times, it, but it's sort of like a pastiche. It's very critical of Thatcher, which is probably why I liked it. Mm. Um, and it wasn't really a proper story. It was just kind of like a set of sketches, really. Yeah. Okay, what have you got? I've already mentioned it. So because I got in the house and my um, I just what not watched Nick and Norris playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it a rewatch. I've, I've pimped it too much on the podcast. This is why I said it's really. I, I've got two, but they're not. They're, they're really, really, really not good. But uh, when I eventually see this, I, the expectation is going to be through the roof. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah. Do you think Harry Grainer looks a bit like Tam? Well, like a blonde Tam. Yes. Because I get it a um, lot. In, I get it in this film more than anything else. More than any other film, I get it in this one. Well, it's definitely in the cheeks. Mm. The cheekbones. So that's just that's for anyone not for anyone <laughs> obviously it's our friend um, who, who, from yesteryear who came to Venice in two thousand nine with us yes and had to experience David's birthday had to experience <laughs> Delhi six at midnight actually that was worse <laughs> which which she I think um uh, I can't remember if she fell on you fell asleep on your lap or you fell asleep on hers but I was the only one who made it through that bad point. <laughs> Well, I wasn't very well. I think I had to go up to the roof and talk to the strapping security guard, so, which was a lot better than the film. A lot of people were exiting left. There's a reason they were giving away the tickets free during the day. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, yeah, Do you, did you want to say any more about Nick and Nora? Or have yeah, you said it, enough, really? No, think? I've said enough. It, it's, one of the, it's not the best film I've ever seen. It's not the best film in the 90s, but it's one of my favourite. Uh, 90s? Oh, well, it's not even in the 90s. Noughties. It's not, not one of the best films in the noughties, but it's one of my favourite films in the noughties. It's kind of on the definitely maybe level, is Yeah, it? exactly mm. the same level, and the end is perfect. Cool. Okay, so now I've got four more films, <laughs> from all from this year. And you so want to fight based on your text earlier, I can tell. <laughs> you obviously hate, well, some, you obviously hate no, something no, no. I loved, or love something I hated. I loved something you thought was decent. Okay. I Origins. Oh, okay. Right. With, with the world's biggest daughter, which you still haven't seen, bastard. She was great. She was really good. <laughs> well, the thing is, I can't... Is she in your lineup? 
This year? Or for, yeah. for World Exhaustor? No, for not I this, Origins. Not this year, no. She was a very interesting actress. Um, she was interested in Pirates of the Caribbean, too. Mm. Uh, I don't know what her name is. But... It's Astrid Bersh Frisbee. Cool. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I just kind of fell in love with it. It's sort of in a Mr. Nobody way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's so romantic. Um, even though it's about religion versus science, it's just got such a romantic sensibility about it. Do you see what I mean? That I didn't mind piss. It is not... I, re- I re-listened today to your review. Oh, really? I can't, I'm, that was just me off the top of my head. I didn't mind pitting it, and I think it's because he's underplaying it, and he's not trying to be weird, or he's not trying to be different, or he's not... He's just... He's underplaying it, which I think... Yeah. He's convincing. Yeah. Um, what happens kind of shocked me. I mean, I think you know... I knew like 15 seconds before it's actually revealed. Yeah, but did I say last time that the end works... Uh, it's in, beautiful. Intellectually, is that what I said? But I didn't think I'd earned it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it just says a lot about how... Um, about the role of science in, in everyday life and how it's maybe not the be-all and end-all and how it's not cut and dry... Um, I just like that it didn't land on either side of the argument. Yeah. And it really made you think about that. It raised a lot of questions. I like uh, about faith as well. Um, I think my, yeah. I think looking back on it now, it's, there's certain things like um, where she's like calling him, <laughs> in inverted commas, uh, to the eyes uh, and things like that, which I, which I don't think, I don't think really help it because they go in such a, it's quite interesting, considering they end on such a great level. They go in such a black and white way about what they're saying at the end with him uh, and the test and the results of that and what his and what he ends up believing or not. It all, uh, I think they're, they're going but, for a very defined, defined thing on that, and I think that really does work. Yeah. I, d- I don't think it's that black and white, though. I don't, like the what he does at the end of the film and what happens at the end of the film it's beautiful but it's sort of like i don't think it's him necessarily making a u-turn mm. at all i think it's just him recognizing that the things beyond your explanation slash control yeah yeah mm. but it, yeah just really surprised me mm. um next the way he looks which is the film about the blind gay brazilian every film's about teenager. the blind gay brazilian teenager it's adorable i tell you what if if all <laughs> if all romances were like this you know then they'd all be about be blind happy. brazilian gay teenagers yes and they're supposedly straight <laughs> friends <laughs> the friends are always supposedly straight <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> but it's it's lovely um, and that's all I'm going to say about it because mm. we are lovely in a um, uh, what was that Finnish film in a modest way yeah you must must have been love yeah yeah it's it's a modest it's a B yeah I, I think I origins might be A minus by the way mm. but for me but the way he looks more modest kind of cutesy precious a little bit mm. but you know well acted well well mm. thought out Second to last, Bell. Right, I oh, um, saw it. Yep, Gugu Mbatha Raw, really good in it. Tom Wilkinson, really good in it. And I wasn't really looking forward to it because I thought it might be like, a bit stuffy and it looks of becoming, becoming Jane-ish. And, oh my god! 
I've forgotten that film existed. <laughs> you know, just it. I didn't think it was going to bring anything new to the conversation, whereas yeah. I thought it was sort of Austin, but it was Austin meets Wuthering Heights uh, racial Arnold perspective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that surprised me. And lastly, Maleficent. Oh, right. Can you believe that's um, Jolie's daughter at the beginning? Which one? Playing young Jolie. Really? It's like Ariadne or Ariane Jolie Pitt. The young, oh, ma- the young yeah. Maleficent is the young Jolie. Yeah. God, I didn't think she was that old. <laughs> um, yeah, Maleficent, something happens near the beginning. It's actually quite traumatic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was I was thinking for kids, this yes. they're going to be devastated. Was this a PG? I think so. It might have been a 12. I, I don't think it was a 12 because I don't remember any swearing. I don't remember any overt violence. But yeah, it is pretty traumatic, yes. And after that, you're like, oh, you know. Charlotte, go and have honey. some. Charlotte, go back to the A team and have some fun, for God's sake. <laughs> where's, like, where's Bradley Cooper when you need him? <laughs> exactly. Um, Maleficent, a welcome leap feminist. In the trailer for American Sniper, that's the answer, Peter. <laughs> In tight shorts. <laughs> Thank you, Clint. Best work he's done since Bridges of Madison County. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, very feminist, um, which you said at the time, mm. and um, a welcome change to the, the usual fairy tale format. Mm. But I agree that the fairies are a bit random and don't really mix well. No, it's it's a bit tonally disjointed. Yeah. Um, and the flying around's a bit... Um, well, Garish. I was going to say, um, Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah. Rachel Vice-ish. Yeah. Yeah, but Jolie's really fun in it. Um, She's good. She is good. Yeah, some of the storytelling's just a bit lazy and um, script-wise, it's kind of predictable, but... Mm. But it, I, I quite enjoyed it. Mm. That's it. Half an hour in. Well done, Cal. That was quick. <laughs> I bet that's the most films we've talked about in the first half an hour of a podcast. True, we talked about like eight films or whatever. Yeah, plus all the digressions. Yeah, yeah. Which is always my fault. <laughs> right. So this week... Is that the actual name? Eastern Boys? Yes. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. This week we're doing Black Sea... Eastern Boys, DreamWorks Penguins of Madagascar. Can't you just oh, call it the Penguins? Spielberg, Can't come on, Spielberg. Can't you just call it the Penguins? And St. Vincent. Yes, So and uh, the Grenadines. Uh, so did you uh, have any preconceptions for Black Sea, which you didn't see? Well, Jude and Seaman, so <laughs> I, should, I should really, shouldn't I? You always think of Seaman when you think of Jude. <laughs> Well, yeah. There must be a tape somewhere. That nanny debacle. Oh, my God. Um, no, I thought this looked quite fun, actually. I'm disappointed that it's really not showing in many places around really? here. So, which is disappointing. Only at late at night as well. Yeah, it, the times are crap. I think both of the evening ones for me were ten past nine. Mm. So, I would have seen it because um, it looks like an adventure Kind of, it looked a bit Captain Phillips-ish. Right. 
like it was trying to capitalise on that a little bit. Mm. But um, it, it looked all right. And Kevin McDonald, I liked How I Live Now. And The Last King of Scotland. Oh my God, I've forgotten about that. The Last King of Scotland's all right. So, like, yeah. Right. He's, I think he's a pretty good filmmaker. Yeah, Kevin McDonald is a plus. Um, uh, what was what was the one he won the Oscar for? Was it something... Touching the Void? No, no, no. It's like 10 Days in Munich or something. It was, it was the, two days? Two days in Munich. Or, it was the one about the Munich um, Olympics. That's the one that won the Oscar. I thought that was quite good. I think Touching the Void is absolutely fantastic. I think it's one of the most... It's the, the, the template for how to do a gripping docudrama. Um, I, I really, really like The Last King of Scotland. Much more than I will ever actually let on. <laughs> um... Uh, state of play, I thought was okay, but you aren't hiding to nothing because the, the, you. Oh, state of play, I, I quite like that. Uh, but so I think he's an interesting filmmaker, um, but I do think he's on the downward slide. I, I hate when I say that, but I do. Um, Jude, I, I like as, as an actor. I think he's. Um, uh, I'd heard that there was a dodgy accent, but then uh, some people don't like his accent in My Blueberry Nights, and I think it's fine. So I didn't necessarily mind it. That 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 preconception. Um, look, uh, in terms of plot, I think it looked really stupid, but it basically looked like um, uh, Kelly's Heroes meets The Hunt for uh, Das Boat. Crimson Tide. Yeah, just, so I mean, it's, it's Kelly's Heroes on a submarine, so that's fine with me. Um, it's uh, and I've heard um, not bad things about it, so I was looking for. I, when I got in there, I was going in with a lot of goodwill. Okay. Okay. Um, what? A- Eastern Boys, I'm guessing you haven't heard of. I didn't know anything about it. I only knew it was about young gay prostitutes in Paris. So, basically, uh, Gus Van Sant remakes on a different continent. (laughs) Without Keanu or River. (laughs) (laughs) It's L2. My first girlfriend... (laughs) My first girlfriend absolutely adored my own private Idaho. (laughs) <laughs> made me watch it. it. It's so good. Do you it, not like it? No, I do. I, I did like it. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's all I knew. So it could be a, a minefield. <laughs> right. Uh, Penguins of Madagascar. <laughs> Basically, um, I think the Madagascar films are okay. Uh, ish. Mm. Uh, ish. I think the third one wasn't okay. I think the third one was bad. But in general, I think they're okay. But I think the Penguins are the best thing about Madagascar films, and I think the Penguins are hilarious. And I think the Penguins short film, uh, A Christmas Caper, is absolutely perfect. I mean, if that was up against Paper Man, I don't know what I'd do. Uh, It's that level. It's a 10 out of 10. I I watch it every Christmas just to cheer myself up. After I've watched three one car Y films in a row. So this was just made for you then, really, this film? Well, well, yeah, pretty much. And so I was I was actively expecting this to be in my top five of the year <laughs> by the time I came out. I'm not even joking. I what? Would, no, I was... Because my because I don't think the year's been that great, I was thinking this is going to be really, really high at 8 out of 10, at least. Well, we'll see. So that was a preconception. I didn't like the Madagascar films, so I didn't see this. Right, cool. Uh, and St. Vincent's? St. Vincent, I didn't know anything about the story. I Me either. mainly knew it was a vehicle for Bill Murray 
that he was getting some buzz for really? earlier in the year, and I knew it was the Weinstein's. Um, but yeah, I didn't know anything about the story. It, it was. It looked like it was going to be an easy watch. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I watched it. I'd seen the trailer. I got a bit of a Broken Flowers vibe. Um, I thought I thought that Naomi Watts playing a Russian prostitute could be brilliant in a Vera Farmiga and breaking and entering kind of way. Yeah. Um, but the basics of old codger who yeah. nobody likes with the, the young lad, it's been overdone to death and it just looked like this sort of thing that is, if it was a, a drama and in Czech would have been uh, nominated in 1996 for the Oscar for foreign language. <laughs> yeah. That's a reference to Collier, if anyone's, if anyone's interested. <laughs> it's probably not the only one either. <laughs> What's the only one we've ever had in this podcast? <laughs> that, oh, a man and a dog or something like that. Yeah. Or, or a man and a cat. Yeah. Where's our carny when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> okay. Right. So, let's start with Black Sea. Yes, so Black Sea is about a group of people who have recently been fired from a salvage company based in Scotland. Uh, this salvage company uh, uh, fires... Uh, begin, the film begins with uh, Jude Law being fired. He, he's only ever had a verbal contract with them, but they're still willing to give him £8,000 as a settlement for 11 years' pay. Now, I actually think, in in my humble opinion, that that is a pretty damn good settlement, considering you don't have a written contract. And it's basically you're looking at um, one week's wages per year that you've um, uh, been there. So I think eight grand, he's done really well there. I, well, I don't know. Personally. I don't think he's. I don't think he's done well. I think he's done well if he doesn't have a contract. Yes. If he had a contract, I think he's done badly. Mm. Yeah, but it's only eleven weeks, so that's like less than a quarter of the year. So you look if that's the case, then he's on at least thirty five. Oh, I thought you said eleven years. Yeah, so eleven years. So, but that, but it's you get paid in the settlement one week per year. So they get they should be giving him eleven weeks uh, wages. Yeah, so something's fish fishy's going on. Well, well, no, 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 no. Well, no, I think so. Pardon the pun. Well, no, well, maybe he's he is. A, maybe if you're a captain on the submarine for a salvage crew, you are on like thirty-five, forty grand a year. I don't know, but I think eight grand's not bad, personally. Anyway, right. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> so digression. Actually, a relevant digression. What are we doing? <laughs> so he's just been given the boot. He's in the pub with one of his mates who used to work for them and has been sacked as well. And the one who's been sacked says, we found something on the Black Sea last year. And what they found was a submarine. Which so it is set in the Black Sea. It is set in the Black Sea. What they found in the Black Sea was apparently alleged balls that <laughs> Hitler and Stalin, when they had the non-aggression pact... Oh no, hit, come on. Do you not know this? Have you not seen the trailer? Is it Nazi gold again? It I, is Nazi gold again. film's not rested about Nazi gold. Yes. Every bloody... Uh, every single film's about Nazi gold. Inside man. <laughs> so the, the, Marathon the man. The, this is why I said it looks stupid. Or it looks silly or it looks ridiculous. Um, the setup of the plot is that Hitler and Stalin came to a deal when they had the non-aggression pact that if Stalin paid him a load of money in gold, then he'd honour it. Stalin sends the boat, uh, a Nazi submarine, go, U-boat goes over, he 
uh, Stalin pays the money, but the U-boat never comes back in three weeks later. Hitler breaks non-aggression pact and invades Russia. In the meantime, it's there, 90 uh, metres deep off the coast of Georgia. But because Georgia's having been for the last five or, or ten years having uh, border disputes with Russia, nobody's gone down there and got it, even though they know it's there. And uh, so the the point is that they, they're going to get a crew of half a dozen in, uh, Scottish and British guys, half a dozen Russian guys, because they've got to go over to Sevastopol to start it all off. And they're going to be using a Russian, uh, an old Russian submarine, so they need the Russian guys to uh, man the boat. To uh, man the boat. Why haven't the Russians tried to get it? Because the Russians and Georgians are fighting over the waters. The the right. who, who they're arguing over as to where this is. It's it, it's on some like shallow ridges, like ninety meters deep. So what? How come they they can just go by without a trace then? Well, this is the thing. So they um uh, they go to a, a millionaire to to um. Uh, fronting the money, the millionaire says, "I'll take forty percent of anything up to forty million, and twenty percent of anything over." And uh, they're going to sneak on in there uh, with no radio and uh, what have you, and uh, go in to grab the cash. Right. Hmm. So it's a heist movie set at sea. It is a heist. Sounds quite exciting. It is a heist movie set at sea, and um, it probably takes about half an hour to actually get them on the boat as well, which sounds terrible because usually I complain about this. Is Catherine Keener in it? No, Jodie Whittaker's in it. <laughs> so J- Jodie Whittaker is... She, I don't think she even... I think she might have, have like a couple of lines. She's mainly in flashbacks. It's basically um, Jude's... Uh, she's left Jude for like a rich bloke, so Jude's got a lot of resentment, especially towards people with money, so he's, he's going out there for the money and all this sort of stuff. And... Um, uh, he he takes a home a young homeless lad along who bumps into because uh, the guy who tips him off to it uh, kills himself before they go. It's all this sort of stuffs going on, and it's all pretty um, it's all pretty interesting in terms of character. So it's more it's rather like Sunshine in that respect, in that it's going for the going for the crew dynamics. They're explaining like that Ben Mendelsohn's in it. He's the, he's apparently a psycho, but he's a really good good diver. Um, no way, psycho. I know. Ben typecast again. Uh, Scoop, <laughs> Scoop McNary is the is the mouthpiece for the money who gets um, uh, forced to tag along with them. So it's it's a good little. I mean, I know you like Ben Mendelsohn more than I do, but yeah. we both like Scoop McNary, and yeah. um, it's it's a good little international cast. You can see why they've done it. So because so, uh, uh, they um, name actors, they uh, name in the actors, they're good actors, and um, there's a lot. Um, and so it's it's very much about the uh, it's about the tension of uh, what's going to happen in terms of the actual heist, combined with the Russians versus the uh, uh, everyone else on the boat. Because as Scoop points out in the trailer and half an hour into the film, what happens when it, they figure out that uh, their equal share gets bigger when there's less people around to share it with? Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, it, the internal warfare. Mm. Well, it is. The film is nearly two hours, so half an hour doesn't seem like too unreasonable. No, it didn't. I just, I literally, basically, I saw Jude opening up the um, porthole or whatever you call it, and and um, I just checked my watch because I thought, ah, that's the end of the first act. And I literally, I, I didn't check my watch because I was bored. I just checked my watch just as a purely uh, as a mental note because I thought, well, I wonder how far we are into this. But. Um, 
I quite like this actually. Um, it, it is. I've heard it described as a throwback. I think I saw. A, I saw a little bit of um, uh, the film Claudia, whatever her face is. What the hell is she doing that show? I don't know. Um, review uh, her and some, Winkleman. Yeah, two blokes arguing about. Oh god, it was terrible. Don't watch. Don't watch the BBC people. <laughs> I watched a bit of that and I just got. I just got bored with life listening to it. And I've heard some people who. Um, I know a couple of people who'd heard Kermo talking about it, and they, uh, so I, I knew some of the reactions to it. And it is a throwback. It, it is an old-fashioned story. It is quite simple, but I think it does work because it is well acted across the board, and there isn't a re- um, there isn't really a false note uh, amongst it. Uh, where I think the false notes lie are in the writing, specifically in the final third, because uh, they they. It sets it sets certain people, certain things up and certain people up to be certain ways. So Ben Mendelsohn is a psycho, and it, yeah. it obviously goes in that direction. But then in the final third, it tries to turn around and say, so "You've got Ben Mendelsohn saying, why, why are you doing this? You've lost your mind.'" And you're thinking, "Well," and then other people start saying it as well, and you're like, "Well, it's too much of a shift." Yeah, uh, the the writing isn't. They're making too much of a point about it. No, 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 no. The writing isn't detailed enough to actually make that believable. When you've got multiple characters saying this person's lost their mind, I'm thinking, well, no, he hasn't lost his mind. So what are you talking about? You're the person who's lost his mind because you're the psycho, and they've shown that you're the psycho. So I don't think the writing is good enough to um, actually follow through. uh, To actually follow through with the story that they're telling. I don't think it make. I don't think it um it makes sense uh, with with the characterization. Uh, I think they skip over that. The, there's massive if that is where they're going with it. There are massive holes in in certain characters' uh, uh characterization. Uh, to, to, to and that's why that doesn't work. I also think at the very at the very end, there's just a lot of questionable stuff. You just think, no, hang on, that that, that physically cannot make sense. <laughs> that that, that, lit- that literally cannot happen. I mean, I know why they're doing it because it, because it's a, because of um, uh, the the gestures of certain characters and what have you. I know why it exists in the screenplay. They just haven't found a physical reason for it to make sense. It's just impossible what they're trying to show. But I mean, really, but it's just nip. It it it's just nitpicking because I I do think this is quite uh, an entertaining film. I think it's uh, at times it goes in directions that you wouldn't quite necessarily expect, even though they might be swerves. Just for a little while, yeah. um, but uh, it's really well shot. Really well shot. I mean, some of the underwater stuff is. Abs- I mean, really, I actually don't really quite know how they shot it that well, because when when you got when you got it underwater, you got divers with lights, and it looks that clean and that pristine. I mean, it really. You, you, please tell me that little clicking as you search for the cinematography because I don't know. Who yes, did it. it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> because it is. You it, know me so well. It's really impressive. Um, uh, I, uh, I also think Jude. Uh, I've heard. I'd heard people slating the accent. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was noticeable at times, but I didn't think it was. Necess- I think it was consistent enough to be not off-putting. So maybe like is my Blue Nights. Um, uh, accent, uh, but I think uh, in general his performance is uh, fairly impressive. Actually, uh, I think given the deficiencies in the writing of his character, I think he acts extremely well. Um, the cinematographer is Christopher Ross, who has previously done 
London to Brighton, mm. Mm. Ed- Eden Lake, uh, which was quite well shot actually. Uh, the Cottage. Oh, that's a horrendous film. That's one of my one out of tens. Really? That is an absolutely looked abomination against celluloid. So yeah, and he did get Santa, which we didn't see this oh week, but God. it was out. Oh my God! I think none of us had time to get Santa. <laughs> okay, um, great for Black Sea. I'm gonna give it a seven. Uh, it's on the sunshine level because it does fall off and it is interesting with the dynamics of the crew it does fall off in the final third with where they're going with it uh, but it is really it, but it's well acted it's not it's nowhere near as beautiful as um, uh, sunshine. sunshine and the first two thirds aren't as perfect as sunshine uh, but the la- <laughs> the final third isn't as horrendous as sunshine and I know you disagree on that but that's for, for me so yeah so yeah. It's on a similar level in different ways. Okay. So, Eastern Boys. Yeah, uh, Eastern Boys. Those boys are Eastern. Um, How Eastern? Are we talking Polish? Are we talking... Actually, we're talking... Uh, actually, we're let's, talking... let's not talk Polish. Are we talking Czech? <laughs> we're, t- <laughs> we're talking the USSR before it... Um, well, after its capitulation. We're ending on back in the USSR, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> From Sigourney Weaver and Heartbreakers. What? Well, so, how did they get away with some of the lines in that song? What is it? It's like, show me round your snow-peaked mountains way down south. Take me to your daddy's farm. What was McCartney on when he wrote that? And who thinks that that's like a, a turn on as well? <laughs> Take me to your daddy's <laughs> podcast title. <laughs> oh God! Right, Eastern Boys. <laughs> it's about a guy called Daniel, um, who is in his forties, lives in Paris. He's walking this around. This is Ugly Paris. Betty too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now you've admitted that you watched Ugly Betty. I watched, I watched the first series. <laughs> um, now this guy is um, less well, less good looking. <laughs> um, he's walking around a Paris train station. He starts talking to one of the young immigrants who apparently loiter around there from Eastern Europe, soliciting. Allegedly. Yeah. I would say the guy is 16 to 18. The way that they go about things in the rest of the film makes me think that he's at least legal. Right. Um, Because they don't make an issue of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. So 16 to 18 would be my guess, but you can never tell. Mm. (laughs) Um, So, basically, the two of them arrange for the lad to go around the, uh, the guy's house the following night. Uh, fast forward to the following night, and when the guy opens the door, he sees a small 14-year-old kid, uh, Eastern European, who runs in and threatens to scream rape, um, or, you know, or scream, if he puts up a fight. He then lets all of his Eastern European gang in, um, who and they're like, you know, they range from, he's the youngest, and they range up to, like, I don't know, 19, 20. And then they proceed to basically have a party in the guy's house and rob him 
while he watches and can't really do much about it. Is, I, I can't. If I could describe my face, then I would be. Um, I don't know. I'd need like four volumes, like Marcel Proust, to describe my face right now. <laughs> what? But, 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 that is the but, snobbiest thing you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> I need four volumes like Marcel Proust. <laughs> to describe my face right now. Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> it's like eek. Eek is the... But I can do it in one word. The, the My face is like going eek right now. <laughs> well, hold on. Um, is that, the, is that, were those the words of uh, advice to him? <laughs> Um, yeah, there was a bit more instruction than that. Yeah. The fu- so basically, they robbed the guy. Um, he wakes up in the morning. His, his TV's gone. He's a he's a wealthy-ish guy, so he's not exactly entirely put out by it. Um, he could have got off worse. It's he, just a ball like to asked, him. It's not the end of the world. Well, people could have asked questions. I don't know if he's supposed to be out. I'm guessing he's supposed to be in the closet a little bit at least. Oh, we all. Or doesn't. Well, actually, it's funny because the guy looks exactly like Kevin Spacey. I thought you were going to say exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my God. It looks like it's Kevin Spacey. Um, no, yeah, look on uh, look on IMDb or look on Google Image and you'll see. He look, he's, he's basically like a French Kevin Spacey. That sounds like Olivier Rabodam, he's called. I've heard of him. I think I probably know him actually. I've definitely what, personally. Yeah, he's in my phone, <laughs> which got stolen <laughs> on Clapham Common, <laughs> and we're there again. So that was quite amusing that he looks so much like him. I'm assuming it's a complete accident, but who knows? Um, so basically, the following day after he's been robbed, the lad who was actually supposed to come and meet him comes knocking on his door, offering his services again. He lets him in. Yeah, he's in the gods two, of men. Yeah. And the two of them embark on a relationship. Ah. Or an arrangement of sorts. Oh, God. That's not a relationship. <laughs> an arrangement is not a relationship. Speaking from experience. <laughs> really? <laughs> but, I mean, well, it is a relationship. Well, but it's not. It's not a... It's not. A relationship in that sense. Yeah. It's, it's not like you've met the parents. It's like... God, no, I'm really not... <laughs> I'll tell you that one afterwards. <laughs> oh, it's like the God. socket on the door. The latches off the door come in. That is that is more accurate than you will ever know. I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> so this film, it's it's got generally great reviews, but I did see a review from a woman... Um, a middle-aged woman caught saying it was repugnant. I thought she was going to say, I thought, you know what I thought you were going to say then? And she said, it was so gay. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so gay. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what people will say, like yeah. your average bourgeois yeah. housewife going to the art house, <laughs> cut with a <laughs> 11 o'clock, comes back with a friend, oh, it's a bit gay, wasn't it, Eileen? <laughs> But yeah, um, this is like, it It was called Repugnant, and because, I guess because she said that because it depicts an older, younger thing, mm. a 30-year, 25 to 30-year age gap, um, 
that was initially started out as a sexual encounter yeah. or a sexual arrangement. Isn't it always? Though the, <laughs> though, the, though the guy is legal. Yeah. So I don't think that just because it shows a relationship or an arrangement like Makes that, it repugnant. Doesn't mean that it isn't interesting. Well, no, exactly. And the dynamic is interesting in the film. And the way that things develop in terms of um, which one of them has the power... Well, it's going to be the young guy, surely. The pa- well, it starts out like that, but it, things change. The extent of their emotional connection to each other changes. The type of connection they have towards each other changes. How they see each other changes. So a lot of it shifts, and it's very ambiguous at times. Um, so it, it doesn't come across as this really um, cheap... Trashy. You know, exploitative... Mm. Um, overtly sexual film it's very very um, thoughtful in that way and it's sort of, it's more, the most interesting gay relationship or gay whatever an arrangement I've seen in a film since Weekend okay well Weekend was um interesting film yeah it's not as graphic as Weekend thank god <laughs> sorry but thank god <laughs> I mean I no but you know me I mean I bitch about straight uh, the exploitativeness of straight sex scenes. Yeah. So with the whole come on the stomach thing, or whatever was it come on the stomach? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, well, it was yeah, but that was edit- editing. Yeah, yeah, but if that happened in a in a, uh, in a straight film, I'd be complaining about that too. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's good you didn't see Stranger by the Lake. Oh then. God. Um. So yeah. You know, newsflash, this is, might be Joe Wright rant of the week. Right. Life isn't a bed of roses. We can't always date, date somebody, sleep with them, and then live happily ever after. Yeah. So this woman calling it repugnant, it's not. It's life. Yeah. It's, so, it's two people trying to find uh, something with someone. The spot. Funny. <laughs> um, oh, God. So basically, this this gang of Eastern Europeans. What's slightly disappointing about the film is that the guy who's the leader of the gang, in the least Gary Glitter of ways, is a, a bit of a tyrant. Um, Outstanding. So they've come into the country, and he's got all of their legal documents. They are actually legal. Um, in in more in, than one way. <laughs> in a locker that only he can access, so he's keeping them from them. So he does. So they don't leave him, and he's got this constant income, and he's got this kind of base around him. Yeah. Which is a little bit convenient. You know, it's, it's been there, done that kind yeah. of thing, and um, there's some really forced tension towards the end when things don't go right, and they realise that this lad is not working completely for them, and he's got his own agenda. So it spends like a good twenty to thirty minutes leaving the audience hanging as to whether this lad's going to be all right and you know whether he's going to escape this situation mm. but it's just the way that they do it is a little bit too neat just forced us in um i don't know like the d- deliberately being agonizing when it doesn't need to be that hand wringing yeah yeah over over hand wringing yeah um yeah so it doesn't sit too well with the rest of the film. But aside from that, it's really, really good film. It's got an Elena vibe, um, because it's a lot of it's set in this guy's flat and it's very minimalist and 
it's a lot of it's the, about the cinematography. The flat, or the, are you talking about the interior design of the flat or the film? <laughs> the flat. But it's very minimalist. I mean, you're talking about like the um, use of like just solely use of black and white, and then the couches. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's, a, it's a swanky minimalist flat. You can tell. You can tell that someone's just bought bought their, their first house, and God. now has interior design issues on the brain. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's, the, the, the cinematography often kind of captures the mood of the moment very well, and it captures the in, the in the way that the cinematography of Hunger captured the mood of the, uh, mood of the film very well, in that it was just pictures of excrement on the wall. Um, Sorry, it's all yeah. you were saying? <laughs> I... It's a B plus. Yeah, uh, I really appreciate what it had to say about intergenerational yes. connections. Yes, immigration. And I, I actually think that uh, this is just something from obviously nothing from my personal life, but um, I, I actually think in terms of film, I think uh, the uh, if you've got like a big age gap between an older gay man and a younger gay man, I find that much more interesting than either. Well, especially an older man and a younger woman, or but but even an older woman and a younger man, I, I find I find that actually probably if you like if, it, if you're going to go for a big age gap, I think the most interesting way to go for that big age gap or uh, the or the most interesting way you can talk about it is through a gay relationship. Yeah, it's like um, because it what, says that so Belgian much, one you saw. Um, oh, narrow it down. <laughs> Oh Is yes, it, oh yes. Um, that wasn't necessarily an age gap, but yeah, uh, it's also quiet. Yeah, yeah. That's what. Yeah, but I, I think uh, with 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 uh, the gay relationships, it, it with people coming out uh, or taking yeah. their time to come out, taking their time yeah. to come to terms with sexuality. When you've got someone who's experienced and and is completely at ease with them, who they are, or complete, or has had decades to come to terms with with their. Uh, uh, how they act in society and all this sort of stuff. I think that is a far more interesting dynamic. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So, from boys to birds. Right, yeah. Uh, penguins. Right. The uh, Penguins of Madagascar. Is Francis McDormand in this? No. Oh, shame. John, John Malkovich is the villain in this. The octopus? Yes. And it took me about five minutes to figure out. It's stupid because he has such a distinctive voice, but it did take me about five minutes to figure out it was him. Um, I think the uh, Jeremy Irons is in this film. If you could check that for me while I'm talking, then I'd be very appreciative. Okay. Um, so, the uh, Penguin to Madagascar begins some years ago, as these uh, title cards so helpfully uh, informs us. And it shows a march of the penguins, which uh, are... Th- um, there are four in the Madagascar films. Uh, we see the three of them um, sort of going against the flow. All the penguins are just really just happy-go-lucky people, but these guys are a bit more inquisitive. They see an egg flying the other way, and they decide to ch- chase it, and uh, uh, <laughs> it's about to fall across the edge, uh, off the edge of the cliff. And, of course, the, the joke is that there's like a Norwegian documentary team <laughs> following them, and they just punt them off the edge of the cliff because it's more interesting that way. Uh, and they find themselves cast adrift and then find themselves uh, 
uh, decades later, um, at the end of Madagascar 3, basically. <laughs> so, I can't... Jeremy Irons is not in this film. However... Some, uh, okay, who, who is um, uh, classified? Is a Benedict Cumberbatch. It's Cumberbatch. Okay, fine. I... Like Werner Herzog. Yeah, I think he does the. I think he does the. Is, the, is he the narrator at the beginning? The documentary yeah, filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was pretty sure it was Herzog. Actually, I was just guessing. I haven't even seen Grizzly Man, and I thought that was Herzog's voice. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so essentially, the plot is actually God. I'm trying to remember it. <laughs> essentially, the plot is that um, an evil uh, octopus. Is trying to kidnap all of the penguins in, in all of the zoos that he's ever been uh, that he's ever been in, because were every single zoo that he was in, uh, he was ha- he was uh, an attraction until the and he, no he was an, an attraction until the penguins came along and the penguins were so cute so cute so cute that uh, he got shipped off to somewhere else. Uh, so he that's the that's his beef against the penguins and so he's trying to uh, capture all these penguins and, and make sure that uh, oh, oh it's a bit, of a bit of a spoiler I'd say what he's actually trying to do to the penguins um, so they're, they're, they're trying to they are trying to uh, track him down and um, just basically stop stop him uh, while a group of uh, a group called the North Wind uh, who are basically a sort of like secret service uh, agency uh, who protects uh, various animals around the world, uh, which is where Cumberbatch's character comes in, are uh, also trying to stop him, but they're the professionals, and the penguins are just, the amateurs just going home, and so uh, tensions ensue between them. Hmm. I made it sound really crap, didn't I? It seems a little <laughs> bit late, it seems a little bit half-baked as a plot. It's after. extraordinarily half-baked as a plot. But it's... Um, I, I think this film is consistently funny throughout the film. I don't. I think there's a lot of. I think there are a fair few moments that you just think, eh, "Are you going there? That's not really that great." So I don't think it's uh, amazing in that respect. But I think throughout the film it is consistently entertaining, and they, and they they, they do uh, get it done in that respect. Okay. But uh, it's a. Uh, they have. Um, they have. Are there any songs in this one? <laughs> no, there aren't songs. It's it's more like a James Bond film, quite frankly. Uh, so so. Oh, like Despicable Me was. Um, it, more like The Incredibles, two. actually, in terms of okay. in terms of when they're chasing the bad guy down. You've got uh, the bad. Uh, it's not necessarily the Chris Nolan film thing, but um, uh, it's 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 more in that vibe in that score is overtly uh, overtly recalls James Bond a lot of the shots so there's the scene where it's a ridiculous scene I don't know why it exists where at the beginning where they uh, they break the penguins break into Fort Knox in order so that they can uh, uh, for the for the one got one of them's birthday they haven't gone in for the gold they've gone in so that they can uh, get use the last vending machine that has cheese its which is basically which are basically what's its <laughs> And so, and so, but but then the evil octopus is for some stupid reason inside that machine and kidnaps them. But 
so then of course they're just they just spent the whole journey eating all the watsits. There's a lot of what there's a lot of watsit jokes. Though. So it's a, it is really silly, stupid humour. But uh, if you're if you're on the wavelength with it, it is entertaining, and they do come back to it. Uh, they, they they do bring it back in th- throughout. So it's not like it's just a a one off. They do do repeat gags. Uh, I'm actually acting like I'm a weather per- I'm a weather weather girl here. I <laughs> do like circular hand motions with my left hand while my right hand holds the pint the bottle of Stella as if there's, <laughs> there's a picture of the United Kingdom behind me and I'm trying to usher in the uh, the Eastern Front that's coming in. The Eastern boys. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's all it's 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 nicely stupid. Uh, and it does it does just around ridic- ridiculously, um, but it, it, the, the humour is it, it is it is s- silly is the, is the perfect word to describe the humour. It's like uh, it also like a title card card will put in Shanghai and um, uh, it, the title card will say Shanghai, and he will say Kowalski. Where, where, where do your coordinates say we are? He said we're in Dublin, Ireland. <laughs> so he's obviously got it wrong. But then they'll start doing river dance to to fit in. And then they'll like think, okay, we're, we're, so they, they try to figure out where the bad guy is, and, and they figure out that he's in Shanghai. So they like pack themselves into a box and and post themselves to Shanghai. And so the mail, the mail, the mail van comes and picks them up, drives up the road, comes straight back and drops them off. They go, yeah, we're in Shang- we're in the Irish quarter of Shanghai. <laughs> it, it is funny. What? Why do you think that the penguins are a lot more successful? Because this is written by the same the same guys who wrote the two Madagascar films. I think the Penguins is successful because the Penguins is where they where they went completely ridiculous in in the Madagascar films and it was where they could get away from the overreaching plot arcs and um, the sort of like lame uh, character dynamics that they have between them and so uh, especially Ben Stiller's lying character, oh I'm doing it all for the um, glory or what have you and they just had they were the comic relief. I mean, I know it's com- yeah. I know it's a comedy film. <laughs> Those are supposed to be comedies, but they were the they were the main source of the comedy in those films, and uh, I think it's because they can just go unabashedly silly the whole time, uh, because the uh, the characters that they have are supposed to be just stupid and just gung ho and not thinking about it whatsoever, and they're just going to go for it, so they can mine a lot of comedy out of that because these guys are going to think first, ask questions later, whereas with the Madagascar films they've got like. David Schwimmer wondering if um, some big hippo is going to have sex with him or not. <laughs> That's life, by the way. I thought I wasn't going to talk about the Royal this week. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Grace? Yeah, I really don't know. It's not an air, is it? No, is it oh an my air? god. Oh no, no. I do think it's very consistently entertaining, but I also do think that there's a, a not a sizable chunk, but at least a twenty percent chunk of it that, that, that falls flat and doesn't wait and lags behind while you're waiting for it to start again. It's on the six seven borderline. I think if I was being, I think when I left the building, it was probably a seven. I think now um, five six and one two three four five. Yeah, six beers later, it's probably it's probably a six out of ten. Six beers later, it's a six out of ten. That's that's the podcast life title. <laughs> that's too long. I know. Six beers later might be alright. <laughs> but that um, would just sum everything up. No, it, it's 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 not a great film, but it's entertaining, and I would recommend it to people 
especially if they're saying the films and like no, if you like the penguins you're gonna like this film yeah at the very least you're not gonna not like this film if you think the penguins are funny in Madagascar put it out alright so film of the week <laughs> see this really isn't film of the week I mean Black Sea is probably the, well Black Sea or the penguins are the two big films of the week but this is the only one we've both seen. It's the only one we've both... Well, yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. So, it's the indie film of the week. Let's... Uh, Definitely. Let's be... Yeah. Let's be diplomatic. So, this is St. Vincent. It is about a young kid called Oliver uh, and his mother, who is played by Melissa McCarthy. They're mo- uh, moving house because the father has cheated several times with other women, which... Second time that's happened to Melissa McCarthy this year in a film. Really? After Tammy. Um, they move next door to Vin, who's played by Bill Murray. He's an alcoholic old grouch who sleeps with his uh, regular prostitute, who's played by Naomi Watts. Uh, she's Russian. I'm pregnant. And I'm pregnant. Uh, and he earns his money by, you know, f- not very moral means <laughs> flogging medication from his Alzheimer ridden wife's care home he's a degenerate gambler gambler yeah he's a waste of space basically so me, because... me in 40 years time <laughs> <laughs> McCarthy works long hours in a hospital so eventually she get ends up having to pay Vin to babysit Oliver and shenanigans ensue. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> and let's get on to your preconception because this is a problem for me in that this is a story arc that has been done to, to death. death since the 20s. <laughs> I can't believe we just said that literally at the same time. <laughs> I hope you sync that correctly for everybody who's listening because um, I recall my, my side of this conversation on Skype and Cal records his and um, yeah, but we don't know the delay we count we count in where when, when I do the counting I sort of like do an exaggerated breath so it should be really obvious in terms musically it should be obvious for Cal where it's supposed to start but um, yeah it's much more interesting it doesn't than, always work than, out that way this film is going to be okay <laughs> so basically this is like I mean I c- you can point to several films um that this is like the story arc of the curmudgeonly old guy bonding with the young kid. If this was made uh, any time between 1970 and 1990, it'd be Walter Matthau yes. in the lead. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't do enough to stray from that path, even though it does have its little quirks along the way. I do think, yeah, I mean, plot-wise, it is unexpected, I do think. Yeah. Um... I think you've got to give it that. Um, I think uh, if I was being hypercritical, and I've been, I have been hypercritical of child performances in the past. I think, given where the script demands that the uh, relationship slash uh, characterization goes, I don't think the child that they've uh, cast in this film is talent. Is I don't want to say talented enough. I don't think he he is able to uh, do what they want in order to make it fully work. He's not Thomas Horn, put it that way. He's not Haley Joel Osment, but then nobody is. Yeah. 
Or even Ace of Butterfield. No, Ace of Butterfield would be better. Yeah, I do agree with that. I, I think I think what they ask him to do, though, is a little unfair. I yeah. think it's sort of like anybody... It's so, he, he does get saddled with moments. Basically, if he was able to do what the uh, script wants him to, then you're adding half a star at least to the quality of the film. Yeah. At least. And that's a big ask. That's a big ask for... for, for it's a big kid. ask for a film with so many cliches. Yeah. Um, that you've got... Because... Okay, once... Because it starts off quite coarse and bitter and Murray's very much playing it as as a hardened man rather than a lovable idiot. You know, he's not Lee Marvin and Cat Baloo. Oh, look at me, silly... Yeah. Silly Billy drinking. Yeah. Um, he, he is, like, really quite nasty. Yeah. For a time, it doesn't last very long. He's harsh, and then he starts to develop a bond with the kids, and it goes to familiar territory. But he's still harsh with McCarthy for long periods. He's judgmental, yeah. or, or, or if not harsh, then judgmental at the very least. But it's got so many of these, like the, when he saves him from the bully. I mean, how many times has that been done? Yeah. When he, you know, encouraging him to stand up for himself, teaching him Watts, boxing. The Watts character, we can get onto Watts if you want, but the Watts character. I always want the to hook, get onto Watts. The, <laughs> the hooker with the heart. How many times has that been played out in a film? Elizabeth you know, Shue. <laughs> Melina McCurry. OMG. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, you know, you could tweak a lot of things in this film and it might actually be alright, but. When, once you get down to it, it hasn't got enough originality for itself, I don't think. Okay, did you find it amusing? Yes. Yeah, that, times, that's yes. the thing I did as well. I, that's the thing that surprised me. It's hit and miss, though. Yeah, but I think more hits than miss for me. I, I did find myself chuckling at this more than more than I, I wasn't chuckling at it. So I, I, I thought everything in the hospital was really funny. What was I? I think I think for me it was more. Well, what should we talk about, Terence Howard? Why is he in the film? I, why I, is that? Why is that subplot in the film? I just oh. don't get it at all. Chris O'Dowd as well. That didn't work. No, it's it's almost as it for the most part. I mean, because the thing is, Chris O'Dowd is a, a funny bloke who's uh, he's known for stuff over here, but I suppose the Americans are known for bridesmaids. The guy yeah. who plays Melissa Mc, uh, M- Mrs. McCarthy has been in a lot of comedy films and she's also primarily known for Bridesmaids. Uh, the guy who's playing Melissa McCarthy's husband is Pete from 30 Rock. Uh, so, is it? Yes. Recognise him immediately. He has this one epic um, scene in 30 Rock where <laughs> he says, he's got this like um, food in front of him. He has bento box from Sushi King. The lesbian scene from Mulholland Drive. Welcome to Gentleman's Lunch. <laughs> Which handily brings us to Naomi Watts. Exactly. Um, but Naomi, I wish, 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 wish that she was fear from Egwin breaking it and entering. I really do. I think, you know what? I, I think she's alright. I do think she's amusing-ish at times, but... Yeah. I think sometimes you're just thinking, seriously, is that your accent? I don't know why she has to have that accent. Because it's... I am Dakar. 
it, the thing is, it extinguishes a lot of soul. Yes. And you could say, you, you know, you could say you should have soul with any accent because ev- everybody's got a soul or whatever. Yeah. But it just you're focusing on would, it too much. Would you say accent? Because we know who she is. Yeah, but would you say accent or would you say um, the actual dialogue? Because a lot of it is the sort of stock missing out of certain words uh, that you get with when Russian characters are, are being played. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the, the actual, a lot of the comedy comes from her actually being not very sympathetic towards um, Bill Murray's character. Like when he tries to flog the um, uh, drugs and uh, she's yeah. And she's just calling him an asshole in the hospital. Mm. But, yeah, and that that's fine. And then she suddenly turns into, like, um, I don't know, Elsa Lanchester, you know, <laughs> looking after him. I th- so it, I, think my, it's... I think my issue with the film is how obvious where they're going with it is. Because, not, not in terms of what hap- physically happens to Murray, but in, with the whole, I, I mean, this is, I mean, I do know why O'Dowd is in the film because he's talking about sainthood all the time. And considering that uh, uh, where they're going with the finale of this film, that is the whole point of the film. And yeah. when I was watching it, I was actually thinking, uh, and it's quite strange because one of the uh, mothers of the children that I teach piano to um, actually mentioned this film the other day. Um, I was just thinking, really? This because when it gets to the final scene, it's like um, I was thinking, seriously. I did. I did cry. I, I was thinking seriously. This is where you're going with it, and you want this to be Mr. Holland's opus. And I'm going to mention another film you mentioned earlier, and it's more like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's how, that. that uh, I didn't get anything moving from it, and I just thought, think, you know what? Think the, this is. I just thought this is surely the whole point of the film. The last scene is the whole point of the film, and it's what it's been yeah. built towards. But for me, the best parts of the film were the amusing moments here and there. Just yeah, pot- potted yeah. in there. I I did I did have a couple of tears, but it's sort of I, I mean I, I cried at the bucket list. You know, mm. it's not it's not really it mean you didn't anything. earn it. If I, it if, was the, well, they, it they wasn't really from do. any emotional intelligence in the film. It was from manipulation of the moment. Yes, but but also I find most of the time, well, personally, when I mean, not, I'm not one of these hard-nosed people who never cries at a film, not by any shout whatsoever. When I watched The Bridges of Madison County, I was in fucking bits for thirty minutes because I'd just been dumped about a month before. <laughs> but, but that's the whole point with me. It's usually that. Um, I've got some it barbs something personally in my history, uh, like uh, the diving bell and the butterfly. When uh, yeah. when um, you've you've had uh, him his viewpoint for twenty minutes, and then he gets sewn in, and it's terrifying when he gets sewn in. The the scene where you literally when you see his eye closing up, and then the first scene they cut to after that was him being bathed by the orderlies. And it just took me straight back to my grandfather, and uh, he was talking about. Um, I remember. I just remembered him. Well, I didn't remember him at the time, but I remember him now, talking about. Um, he was in a home for about um, three or three to six months before he died, and he was talking about um, how the people were looking after him. And I think something deep within me must have just clicked on that. And when I watched Doug Bell and the Butterfly in the cinema, I absolutely lost it at that exact moment when I, when you see a Malwitch being bathed. And there's nothing in there that should make you cry at that moment. 
And I, I, I yeah. find that most of the time when I, uh, with me when I cry at films, it's, it reminds me of something in my past rather than yeah. being something from the story. And so that's why I think it's... There is, there's definitely a difference to relating, empathising with something um, and actually having lived it, you know. Yeah. Um, and that, what, that's, what that's just, when you really know a film's good, when it's actually getting you to be that emotional because of the story. Rather, yeah. rather than the situation. Yeah. And, well, let's get on to Murray, because I, I thought he was um, good in this. Yes, so do I. And I thought he managed the second half of the film really well, considering what happens. The second half of the film is why he wanted to do the film. I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely yeah. sure of it. I think um, if you just gave him that script from the first half of the film, he'd just say, well... No, I, I can do it, but why would I want to? And I think yeah. I think the second half is why he would want to. The problem is for me, and why I, don't, I think this is a bad film, <laughs> is because they've already overcome that before. Yes. So basically, what happens is they overcome it. They have like a whole mini story arc. Yeah. Then something happens, and then they get set back, and then they have to go through this arc again. So it doesn't, it's like going, it's like two films. Yeah, it is. So I just don't think there's enough de- development there and I don't think it does enough um, that we haven't seen before. And It's just a little disappointing. Do, I'm not do you really think sure. it's cynical? I hadn't actually thought this until this exact moment when I literally just asked what, that question. But you, What about films? But, no, 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 no. I mean, in terms of the uh, plot twist in that they've done this cynically to sort of like make make things uh, make him sympathetic or make uh, things moving or make I think, things interesting I think what happened well basically the character needs a jolt I think that's what he's thinking so they need the writer is um, thinking that they need something extreme to jolt the character to out of his situation to calm the character down yeah um, but at the same time, it sort of seems like he's fine not being himself. He doesn't need this. He doesn't need an epiphany. He doesn't need. What do you think of the notebook subplot? What notebook subplot? With him and his wife in the care home. Oh, oh! I haven't seen the notebook. Oh God. Um, we haven't seen Rachel McAdams' tits bouncing up and down. Lucky, lucky you. <laughs> Look well, lucky me, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I. <laughs> I think the thing is, I thought the wife really looked wonderful. Yes, for age. I mean that—that's a point. I think that was the whole point of her casting. That was the point, yeah. Um, she's probably like a model for like <laughs> Dorothy Perkins or something. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, but, I thought you were going to say David Bailey, but then he just went right for the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was all right. Um, I think it's. I think it could happen. Do you think that's cynical? Because that, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. To because... get your sympathy for the character. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. I, I think. I think that's the sort of. I think I've just realised why I asked that question earlier. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's it's a cheap way. Of getting sympathy for a character who is unlikable, 
when you underpin it with Ober, he's caring for his wife who's uh, got Alzheimer's. Yeah. In the least yeah. Sarah Polly of ways. In the, yeah. In the least Julianne of ways. Yeah. Isabel Carre. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the main benefits, plus points of the film, are the comedy and the di- some mean, of the dialogue. It is amusing. And it, is, it is an amusing film. Yeah. And I do think that even though they go... I was disappointed they went the whole custody route. Yeah. Um, but I like that they didn't um, make that as manipulative as it could have been. Mm. So, mm. small uh, mercies. Mm. So you said it's a bad film, so it's your grade? C minus. God. Be more harsh, bitch. Um, it's six out of ten for me. <laughs> How have you said all that and given it six out of ten? I thought it was decent because I thought it was funny. it was funny. I thought it was funny. <laughs> it's supposed to be a comedy, right? Yeah, well, the first time. I thought it was a comedy and I thought it was well acted. It's much, it's much as the spectacular now. <laughs> well, that was, oh, come on, the spectacular now is better than this. Well, yeah. Obviously, the I, okay. the I think at my age I shouldn't really be perving on her smokiness of Shailene Woodley. <laughs> <laughs> Shag marry or kill. Speaking of which, well, I can't I can't marry. Oh, I have to I have to do one of yours. Right, <laughs> right. So I've got um, uh, Jude Law. Okay, Jodie Whisker is in flashback form in Black Sea. And she's a very nice looking woman, but Lizzie Olsen absolutely. Whoa, 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 whoa! We're on Chef Mary Kill. Oh, sorry, I've gone, I've gone straight. <laughs> How many beers have you I've had? I've gone straight for the sexism. <laughs> <laughs> Chef Mary Kill. Right, I would, I would watch uh, Black Sea again right now because I could, even though it's better, I could watch the Penguins every weekend for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. and I'd kill some Vincent. Even though I think it's decent, I've actually been quite kind this week in comparison. Yeah, I've been. Comparison yeah. with you. <laughs> Role reversal. <laughs> I kill St. Vincent because um, I don't want to watch it all, or uh, watch it every week for the rest of my life. Okay. I would also kill St. Vincent. I'd uh, marry the Eastern Boys, um, and I'd shag Jude. Of the two, you of the two, you'd rather watch Shoot than Penguins. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Right. So, okay, we'll flip flip that this week. Then you go for um, Oscar. Okay, the Isaac range. Um, we'll start Black Sea. I think that Jude would have been a no. He would have been a no. He's looking short hair, old. Short hair. Um, looks like he should be wearing a. Um, Tracksuit is the description. Yeah. I think once you get older, I think you need to start putting weight on, otherwise it shows more. Mm. At least some. Luke just looks haggard. Yeah. So, uh, would there anybody else have troubled? Any any rough um, fishermen There's a there? very young uh, lad who's sleeping rough, and I think um, he would be a no for you because he's not rugged enough. Um yeah. Of the other guys, Ben Milson would be a no. Scoot, I, don't, I think, would be a no because no. he's uh, slick back and in comparison with Oscar, he's, I don't think he's uh, as good looking. He's more chiselled and he's just not you. 
um, of the Russian guys. I don't think there's, there's nobody that stands out. And it's got the guy from a Most uh, Wanted Man, the uh, terrorist suspect. Oh yeah, but he's got the same beard. Yeah, so, so it'd probably be no. So I think it'd be a no. Yeah, so I think um, it, even though it is a um, sausage-friendly, sausage I was going to say sausage-friendly, but you're saying sausage fest. Even though I think it's a sausage-friendly film, um, no. Okay. Eastern boys, um, they're all too young, apart from um, Kevin Spacey lookalike, which is a no. Yeah, obviously. And uh, St. Vincent, well, obviously Bill Murray's a no. Mm. Terence Howard is a no. Might have been once, right. but not right. anymore. Might be once, but not anymore. And Chris O'Dowd is being saldanaed. <laughs> for the character spouting the, the Catholicism yes yes that's and hilarious. because the character just didn't work that in general that is hilarious right so I'm going to go in reverse order from what we reviewed them in just to mix it up so St. Vincent okay. um, Naomi I'm going to uh, say do rather kindly for the preggersness <laughs> and general tackiness no, I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is there anyone else? No. Um, in in St. Vincent, I don't think so. Uh, the Penguins is animated, so it's obviously a no. And in Black Sea, uh, Jodie Whittaker is a nice looking woman, but Liz- Elizabeth Olsen absolutely has that covered. So it's a Olsen factor of 1.0. Okay. So, all clear this week. Okay, so we have a website. It's moodforpodcast.com. Download on us on iTunes, bitches. Download us on iTunes. It's the easiest way. Twitter at Move Podcast, Facebook in the Move Podcast, Stitcher, Casts, etc. Next week. Yeah, ask us a question. I mean, fucking hell, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cal, Cal's been saying it for two years, but I mean, I mean, really. We got one, like. Ibby, about six weeks ago. That says, that says it all. That says it all. Because the thing is, um, we know that more people actually listen to us. Than yeah, I know. It's not like... The thing is, I think, what, four different people have asked this question in two years. Basically. Basically. And we know that there are literally hundreds of people who actually listen to this podcast. So, don't be shy. We actually will answer anything, even if it is Pete. What... What the hell's happening with your house? Are there actually fleas on your carpet? Because what what else was that on the back of your picture of Nastasia Kinski and uh, Harry Dean Stanton that you saw when you picked it up the other day? Pete will actually do requests, um, drinking requests, anything you want Pete to drink or drink. Okay, on uh, the in my house currently there is a black sambuca, a, bo- a bo- bottle of black sambuca. I'm actually thumbing these as I'm uh, um, talking. I've got a bottle of uh, Jägermeister, <laughs> hilariously, Totaler. I've got a bottle of Shivas Regal for the classiness, uh, and I'll tell you why I, I, I unclassiness of that in a minute. And I've also got a bottle of Vladivar. But the reason why Shivas Regal is classy is because my dad would qu- cry if he knew this. I, I was driving back in the other day, and a couple of um, uh, six packs of Dr Pepper Zero, which is my one of my drinks of choice, pop drinks of choice. And I dropped one of the cans as I was getting out of the car. 
and it dropped on the floor and then rolled under the car in a sufficiently awkward enough position that I couldn't actually just get on my knees. A, because it was wet, and B, because it was right in the middle of the car. So I backed the car off the drive, went and got the can, and put it in my pocket. Put the car back on the drive, and it, was, it wasn't, like, splushing out of it, but it was open. So I thought, well, I've got to drink this now. So I filled it into one of the two half-pint Stella glasses that I unfortunately own. And uh, it got to about an inch shy of the top. And I thought, you know what, Pete? This is the opportunity to open the bottle of Chivas Regal, 12 years age, that you have in your uh, cupboard. And I put about a double's worth of shot in there. And it took me about an hour to drink it, so I wasn't like getting drunk off it. It was just an evening's tipple, if you will. But if my mm. dad knew that I hadn't had that, that bad boy straight... <laughs> With with the, and I had it with, with the car. A, I had it with Dr Pepper, and B, I had it with Dr Pepper Dr. Zero. <laughs> to, he would cry. Dear, absolutely. You're not, stu- you're not a student anymore. No, exactly. The the vodka doctors have been and gone. <laughs> Next week is winter sleep. Yes, because it's finally out by me. Um, so we will spend two hundred minutes watching that. Seriously, I'm not. Or any filters to minutes long. <laughs> there is the face of love, which is the return of Annette Benning. Really, I think Annette... isn't that like a lyric to an Ed Sheeran song? Probably. God knows. I think he's exhausted himself by now. Well yeah, talking about the taste of his love. Um The Hobbit, the Battle of the Five Armies is out no Bob Hope of me seeing that. I didn't you see the second the sec- I didn't no. see the second one, but I, I can possibly see it, but I doubt it. What, without seeing the second one? Or do you have to? Well, not really, but you save because that's two and a half hours as well. Jesus. Well, well, I mean, sure you could skip it. I mean, yeah, let's just we, skip we've it. We've all seen um, <laughs> the two towers. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly. Well, we, well, Miranda Otto. <laughs> Miranda Otto was in it. <laughs> Have you got a jam? Um, yes, I do actually. Um, I listened last uh, Friday night uh, to Slash's album, uh, the guitarist in Guns N' Roses. He's yeah. got a solo album that's out a couple of weeks ago, oh, a couple of months ago, sorry. And um, uh, Shadow Life by Slash. That's my jam. Good. Mine is. White Freckles by Ariel Pink. I'm actually going to listen to that just because it's so interesting a title and uh, artist name. There we go. <laughs> I will listen to Shabba Shabba. Shadow was. Life, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> by Slash. Okay, where I didn't. I thought he died. No, he's just from Stoke. <laughs>
through. 